Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, your host, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you will come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Hello, Edit Your Life friends. I am so delighted to welcome licensed clinical social worker Katie Hurley to the show today. Hi, Katie. Hi, how are you? I am doing very well. I, I'm going to ask you how you are in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> loaded question. Loaded question. And I just wanted to tee up for our listeners and maybe embarrass you a little bit on the spot by saying you are a super amazing person who I actually only know through Zoom, given that we met during the pandemic. I was using air quotes on met. <laughs> Um, so thank you for being a lifeline for me on the internet and you are just the perfect guest for the show because I just feel like, um, you know, you're somebody who's dedicated to helping parents equip kids with emotional fluency and in a practical way. In fact, your website is called practicalkatie.com. So I feel like we're quite aligned on a lot of things, actually, Katie. (laughs) I think we are. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should also note, I will link your website and your books in the show notes, but you are a multi-book author. You do a lot of work with girls. I know you have an interest interest in girls' leadership, especially. And most recently, you came out with the Stress Buster Workbook for Kids, 75 Evidence-Based Strategies to Help Kids Regulate Their Emotions, Build Coping Strategies, and Tap into Positive Thinking. Honestly, who doesn't need that right now? That's the beauty of it. I feel like I actually use it for myself sometimes. Yes, (laughs) totally. It is written at kid level, but really anyone can use it. Uh, Same, same. Well, so after that, like quick intro, um, you know, people will get to know you more here and through, you know, your various links. But I wanted to actually start the main part of the show by just saying thank you. (laughs) Thank you for everything you are doing to hold space and help kids and families. You have a regular practice as well as all the other things you do. Um, Thank you for providing families with actionable advice grounded in compassion. I feel like so much compassion is needed right now. And really thank you for being at the front lines of this 
rather dumpster fire time. So I actually would love to start by asking, how are you holding up? And what's your general assessment about how kids are doing right now? Well, uh, I've just discovered that M&M's makes dark chocolate peanut M&M's. What? So I'm eating a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I'm holding up. Um, it's I, Thank you for that. Thank you for the acknowledgement and just for such a kind and lovely introduction. Sometimes when you're stuck in the weeds, you forget who you even are or what you're doing every day. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I kind of have this daily ritual where at the end of the day, about seven o'clock at night, when I'm finally done, I walk my dog and I call my big sister and we just mm. talk about all the absurd things that are frustrating <laughs> for parents, <laughs> like working all day to find a you know sink full of dishes or people hijacking the laundry that you're in the middle of doing to do their own and things like that. And I find that, you know, it's just helpful to have that sort of lifeline at the end of the day to hit the yeah. reset. Um, between working and parenting and, and all the news and all the stuff that everybody's coping with. But I, I think kids are struggling right now is the general assessment. I mean, we know that the Surgeon General put out that warning a few weeks ago that was felt dire as he was mm -hmm. talking about one in three high school students reporting anxiety or depression or both. That's pretty high. We know that Suicidal thinking is on the rise among kids 10 to 24, you know, children and young people. You know, we always we keep talking about kids and teens, but we have to add in that young people because they go off to college and they're not quite fully formed adults yet. And they're still they're struggling as mm -hmm. well. So I, I just think there's a lot of stress out there. It's a lot of uncertainty that's weighing these kids and youth down they feel like it's layer on top of layer of just things that they have to do and remember and cope with. And I'll give you an example of my own daughter. Just this morning, she got an email from her school saying that she was marked absent from her six period class yesterday and she needed to get to school early to get a slip from the front office to bring to the teacher to sign the slip to say that she was indeed there to bring back to the front office before the end of the day. Oh, goodness. And she said, I mean, it's fine. I'll leave a few minutes early, but it's like an extra thing I have to do. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we forget about. You know, all these things, it's layer upon layer upon layer. And some of it's just the world we're living in. Some of it's unnecessary stress that's created for them. And then it's all their feelings and all this constant uncertainty and up and down and pressure. It's just a lot. It's, mm -hmm. it's a lot. So the fact that they're struggling to me it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think that particular example is so reflective of just how much certainly kids, but also, you know, parents. I mean, everybody's caring a lot right now, but I do feel like it's the little things sometimes that will just set me off and I will go on a bender yeah. when if things were maybe just like slightly more normal, I might not tip over that way. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to cover uncertainty and emotions and a lot of other things. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. 
And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, we are back with the wonderful Katie Hurley Okay, Katie, I want to start with a question. It's something very personal to me as a former emotional robot. I don't know if you've heard me refer to myself (laughs) that way. (laughs) I'm a former emotional robot who now has a feelings poster in my office. So, you know, this focus on SEL, social emotional learning, is very our kids generation or it feels that way. I mean, like when I think back to my growing up, like these things were never discussed. (laughs) So I think I'm not alone as someone who got parented with a very tough love, suck it up, don't cry lens. And so I feel like before, I feel like the work of being a parent and figuring out how to support your kids' emotional needs, like I feel like there's a step before that ask. And so I wanted to ask you if you have recommendations for how parents and caregivers can work on their own emotional fluency, if this is new, daunting territory. I personally have the benefit of a husband who is a psychotherapist and a mother-in-law who is a social worker. She was actually the one who gifted me the emotional feelings chart, (laughs) but not all emotional robots have that adult support. So what would you say to adults who need to do some of this work in order to figure out how to support their kids? That's so interesting that you say that because I I always joke I'm married to a musician and I'm married to a bass player specifically. And we always (laughs) kind of laugh that the bass players are the emotional glue that hold the groups together, whether they're in the studio or on the road. Um, (laughs) So there's a there's little differences between group members. And but because of of me, he's extra right with Uh understanding (laughs) empathy and compassion and how to kind of work through the nuances of emotions that come up in the room. And in terms of our kids, it's, yeah, I always joke that they're either going to turn out great or they're going to write all kinds of memoirs about me, but we're just not going to know, you know, (laughs) until it's too late to do anything any differently. So hopefully it's the first option. I think, you know, I kind of grew up in a, I would say, middle of the road. My mom was an early adopter of the mental health day. So 
Mm. You know, she would just if things were too much, she would just say, you know what? It's a day off kind of day. Let's let's just stay home. You know, take a day off. Stay home. We'll go out to lunch. We'll do something. You'll hit the reset. And so to that end, she really was aware of how stress could impact particularly teenagers, I would say. But then the flip side of it was that when I was younger, there was a lot of figure it out, you know, or, you know, go to your room and and see, (laughs) think about it, come back to me later. So there wasn't that emotional fluency of like, I'm running really hot. I don't know what it means. I don't know how to deal with it. So what I always say to parents, I mean, just like you were gifted a feelings chart, I give those to adults too, to friends, uh, to neighbors, to whoever wants one. And I say, you know, use it for you because- we need to be able to get in touch with what we're dealing with. And I think something I notice is that we, as this older generation, this generation of parents right now, we, we run on either toxic positivity because of all the memes that are in our faces all day long, or we run on, you know, okay, I'm just, I can do this. I can handle it. I can handle anything. You know, I'm Gen X. I got this. Mm-hmm. Or we get really angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's like these extremes, right, in emotions. And I think a lot of people were raised that way. So I often talk about the power of mindfulness, understanding the mind-body connection. There are feelings beneath feelings. And that's, as you know, what we call emotional granularity. So anger can be sadness wearing a mask. It can be anxiety wearing a mask. It can be uncertainty wearing a mask. So when we're feeling hot and angry, the best thing we can do is kind of close our eyes, take a couple of slow cleansing breaths and make that connection. Say, where is it hurting in my body right now? Where am I tensing up? What's really causing this? I'm, I'm anger on the tip of the iceberg, but what's underneath that iceberg? What happened prior to this that I'm feeling this way? And often when we do those sort of, I call them iceberg assessments, on ourselves and on our kids, what we find is that there are a lot of emotions hiding beneath the behavior, anger being the behavior. Well, what's underneath it? Am I feeling scared? Am I feeling overwhelmed because my kid is going through something hard and I don't know how to deal with it? Am I angry because there's so many dishes in that sink and nobody is ever doing them but me? And and what does that mean? That means I'm overwhelmed. And what does that mean? That means I need Mm. help. You know, so I think just as adults, that's what we can start doing is iceberg ourselves Think about where we're feeling these feelings in our bodies, take those breaths to release the tensions, and then just really assess what's actually going on. And that's where those feelings charts, we make them for kids, but they work for adults because we can look at the faces and say, it's not that I'm just angry, it's that I'm also overwhelmed and a little bit anxious right now. And when we can name those, we can deal with it. Yeah. Whenever, before I started working with my chart and my husband would ask me how I was feeling. It would always be when I was in that, uh, how did you refer when you're feeling hot, like red, sort of red hot zone? Um, It would always be anger. Or I would say, he'd say, well, is there a different emotion? And I'd say, aggravated. And he was like, okay, (laughs) anger's, you know, first cousin, sure. (laughs) It's all, the more therapists I talk to, the more it's all making so much sense. Well, so is this um, the iceberg assessment? Is this, So my next question was actually going to be about a recent piece you had published in the Washington Post. Among your various things, pursuing a doctorate, being (laughs) being a therapist, you you also write for major media outlets. Uh, The piece caught my eye, and it's smart as always. It's called "How Parents Can Provide Stability as Teens Grapple with Stress and Uncertainty." I'll link this piece in the show notes, but 
I would love for you to talk about the impetus for writing it, which I, I think I know a little bit of the backstory, but um, is that iceberg assessment, the feelings, thoughts, needs, is that the same thing that you're referring to that you just yes, mentioned? Yes, yes. very okay. similar. Yeah. I, I When I'm teaching that to teens and kids, I often use the iceberg analogy because it's something they can hang on to. You know, you see that tip of the iceberg coming out of the water. Okay, that's where behaviors live, right? That's where mm. our our outward reactions to things live on that tip of the iceberg. But underneath the waterline is that solid mass of ice. Well, presumably, right. <laughs> I don't know about global warming, yeah. um, but you know, presumably holding up the tip of the iceberg. And, and that's where all the feelings live, right? The things that we don't often get in touch with. The impetus for that article, uh, you know, my own thermometer was red hot that day that mm-hmm. I that I pitched my editor there just to say, hey, can I write about this? Because my 15 year old daughter is a freshman in high school. And post holiday break, we knew that she would have final exams three weeks later because for unknown reasons, their semester ends three weeks after the break. Instead of doing exams before the break, they start maybe a little bit later than some other districts. So they have their finals three weeks after. Feels like a setup anyway. But when they returned to school, it was a revolving door of positive COVID cases, parents getting emails home, you know, sometimes two times a day, your child was a close contact, you need to test, you need to stay home for X amount of days, teachers out uh, because of close contacts or actually getting, potentially getting the virus. We don't know who had what. Her biology teacher, who she loves, was out for 10 days before the final exam. And in that time, she actually took a test that he wasn't there to teach the unit on. So essentially, they taught themselves while a substitute sat in the front of the room. And I kept thinking they're going to cancel exams. They'll give them projects. You know, they'll give them some sort of meaningful learning project to show mastery. They've taken a bazillion tests. They'll do this. They'll do it right. They'll figure it out. And at time just kept ticking away and, and they never did do that. And then I found out from other kids that I work with and other parents in other areas, same thing across the board. We're plowing ahead with exams. The kids can do it. They're going to be fine. It's all almost over. Meanwhile, teachers are out. Students are out. Oh, if you're out, you can just reschedule for you'll get an incomplete and you can reschedule it for when you return. We're not going to allow you to take the exams from home. You know, it was all this stuff. And I I felt really angry about it because these kids have been through enough. Why are we doing this? We know that research shows that exams are not the only way to demonstrate mastery. And in fact, they're not the best way to demonstrate mastery. They're just the way we've done it for so long that we keep doing it. And so I thought to myself, my gosh, these kids, they're scared of getting COVID. They're wanting to play their instruments, play their sports, do their theater, do the things that they love to do. All of these things are being partially canceled, totally canceled, canceled for a week, you know, at a time. And then they're studying. They've been working hard all semester and their teachers are out and they're supposed to prepare for an exam, you know, an 80 question Scantron exam. And it just felt like too much. And so that was the impetus behind it was, you know what? The powers that be are not necessarily going to make decisions in the best interest of the mental health of our students. So we need to support them at home because we're not going to get the support necessarily from the districts, you know, at district level or at school level. So we have to pick up the pieces. Okay, well, that actually leads to another question I have about um, these regular check ins, which you refer to on in the Washington Post piece. And one thing that came to mind, I am like definitely, whether it's, I don't know, any kind of hard subject, whether it's sex ed or something else, I love tips like, you know, 
go for a drive and talk while you're side by side and don't have to make eye contact, et cetera. But I also think that right now can be a very difficult time for kids to communicate in general. And so I'm curious if you have a tip or two for how to draw out or establish a check-in with a kid who might be reticent or hesitant to say anything. So a lot of teens tell me right now, it's funny you should ask that because I actually spoke to 600 middle schoolers right before the holiday break. And almost all of them unanimously voted that they don't want parents to ask them questions while they're in the car. (laughs) Well, there you go. So there you go on that. (laughs) I'll stop Um, doing that tomorrow. (laughs) But I it's it is it's difficult to talk right now. And one thing I say to parents all the time is that sometimes when you're sitting face to face with your kids, we're learning how to be comfortable with uncomfortable conversations Mm -hmm. as parents because we know we have to. Kids aren't necessarily learning that. And so it can feel like you're being interviewed or in some cases interrogated. So the best thing that I always say we can do is just do something active together. So whether you're playing Mm -hmm. Uno, right? So you have cards to look at or focus on, or you're shooting hoops out in the driveway, or you're going walking or riding bikes, do something together so that it breaks up a little bit of that tension of mm. uh, I'm being interviewed about everything that's going wrong and I don't know how to talk about it. So that's that's one way to do it. And then, you know, if that's not working, some some kids will engage in a parent child journal with a write notes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, teenagers are going to say, no, I have enough writing to do already. And so I always say, meet them where they are and text them. Mm-hmm. you know, or DM them on Instagram. I mean, if that's, if this is the way they prefer to communicate, then meet them where they are in their space and communicate with them in that way so that you can get to them. I love that. That's really good. I'm going to do that instead of the car thing next time. Okay. <laughs> so I have another question about uncertainty. And I think that one thing that can be really hard for parents right now is if they have kids who are in again, I'm using air quotes here, a milestone year of some kind. So for example, kids who are graduating from elementary or middle or high school or college for that matter. So, you know, I think it's, there is this feeling of loss and potential or potential loss about not knowing whether the usual fun and exciting milestone things are even going to happen. So what would you say to parents who are in this boat about like finding a positive, but not minimizing or Pollyanna-ish way to talk honestly with kids about the uncertainty that's coming down the pike for the spring? I think this is very hard because it's a loss for both parents and for the kids. It's like a double Mm -hmm. whammy loss, right? Mm -hmm. When they don't get to graduate or they don't get the trips that the school would normally take or the party the school would normally have. All of those things feel like a loss because they've still put in the same amount of work and effort and they're just not getting that same feeling of acknowledgement or, Mm -hmm. you know, closure really is what we're looking for with milestones. So I do think it's hard. I think one thing I'm noticing is that a lot of parents are, because we feel uncertain, we can get stuck in this rabbit hole of doom and gloom Mm -hmm. and, and sort of make offhand comments that maybe we're just venting, but kids are internalizing. So, well, you're probably not going to have a graduation anyway. Well, they're probably not going to be able to do the winter ball. Well, you know, we say these things. And to us, it's blowing off steam. But for them, they sort of take it on and it becomes a new worry or a new thing Mm -hmm. to think about. And so I think the best thing parents can do is, first of all, meet their kids with empathy 
as much as humanly possible. And I say that knowing that it's hard. I do have two teenagers living in my house right now. So I do know Mm -hmm. that it can be hard to practice empathy all the time. But I think we need to keep reminding ourselves that they are living through something that we did not live through at that age. Um, They are enduring stress that we didn't know. We knew other stress, but we didn't know this kind of stress. And so it just helps to keep contextualizing that so that when we're talking about these things, we're coming from a place of empathy. So saying to them, you know, I know that you're probably wondering what your spring is going to look like and if you're going to get to graduate from college or high school in the in the usual fashion. And I I can only imagine that's really, really hard. If for some reason things don't go as planned, what should we do? What should we do to really celebrate you and live Mm. it up and find a way to make this special because you deserve it? So just kind of really talking with them and thinking about other options just in case you need a backup is good because it gives them something to hope for. Yeah. I love that idea too, because, you know, a lot of times I I can't remember which episode I talked about this in, but I feel like kids are very creative. They have a lot of ideas. And oftentimes you may be turning over in your mind a million different scenarios, but when you just ask them, you know, their wants may be very simple or they may think of something really interesting that will be totally doable that you hadn't thought of. So I think the more you can engage them in that process and help them feel a little bit of control is probably or agency in the process is probably very helpful. Yeah. And I think just, you know, acknowledging, look, you're living in this really, I say to teenagers all the time, so how's Bizarro World? You know, you're living in this really weird time and they laugh, but they also, it's like, okay, you get me. You acknowledge that I'm, mm-hmm. everything's upside down and backwards and nothing makes any sense, but you're right. Teenagers in particular are really good problem solvers and also they know what they need and what they want. And so yeah. when we just take the time to listen, often they don't need as much as we think that they do. Yeah. Yeah. That's so wonderful. All right, Katie, we're going to take a quick break. And then afterwards, we're going to talk about your latest book and some of your favorite resources. We'll be right back. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. 
We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome back, friends. We are here with Katie Hurley, who is dispensing all manner of wisdom. Um, I've already figured out how to do a few things differently, so thanks. <laughs> um, Katie, let's talk about your latest book, which I adore, The Stress Buster Workbook for Kids, uh, Elementary School Age Target. You wrote this during COVID, <laughs> um, which is a feat in and of itself. But I was curious if you have like a key, I, I kind of imagine that you pick up that book every now and then and you're like, okay, this is, there's a few that have a real, like, um, a dog-eared tag or sticky, the ones that you go to all the time or that you recommend all the time, um, to help parents try to help their figure, their kids figure out how to cope. Do you have a, a strategy or two that you'd be willing to share from the book? Oh, wow. Yeah, I definitely have a few. You mentioned the feelings, thoughts, and needs assessment, and that is in there. And the reason I talk about that one so much is because Feelings and thoughts can exist on a loop. And so you have a feeling about something and that triggers some thoughts about something. So say you're feeling nervous about going to school because you have a math test today. And then that triggers this whole line of thinking, well, I'm not really good at math tests. I bomb all my math tests. So now I feel even more anxious because I have this math test and I know that I bomb all the math tests. And the feelings and thoughts, they keep going and they keep going. Mm. And it can create these sort of negative thought loops that can either feel scary or drag us down. And so it's really important to get in there with uh, needs, right? Mm -hmm. So to just sort of slow down and say, okay, the thought that's running on a loop in my head is this. I'm worried about my math test. The feeling I'm having because of it is anxiety. What do I need? Do I need to bring a stress ball to squeeze while I'm taking the math test? Should I choose some peppermint gum? Because that can help you relax a little bit. Um, do I need my grown up to help me practice a little bit? for the test before I go to school, you know, what are the needs that will address the feeling that's related to the thought? When we learn how to do that, to stop ourselves, slow down and, and interrupt the negative thought pattern and come in with a clear cut practical need that can be met, mm -hmm. we can figure out how to get through the discomfort and work through all this stuff. So that's a strategy I practice all the time with kids and with their grownups, because I think we all need to learn how to do that. So that's a really important one. Um, I also talk in the book, I give a few different ways to learn slow breathing. I think we're all tired of hearing about deep breathing because it's all anybody talks about, it seems. But the reason it gets so much play is because it really is your single best tool against stress, anxiety, panic, anger, all those sort of hot emotions when we use proper deep breathing, we can slow down our central nervous systems and get through the discomfort and get through the stressor without feeling like we're freaking out. I say to kids all the time, you know, we Americans love to brag about our ability to multitask. We're always talking about how we're great multitaskers, but the human brain is not actually designed to multitask. It's mm. designed to task switch. 
So if you switch from freaking out to deep breathing, you will calm down your central nervous system and be able to work through whatever was freaking you out. But you can't do both things at once. Mm -hmm. The trouble is most people don't learn how to do it properly. So they kind of take a semi-deeper breath or they take really short, fast breaths which actually makes you feel worse. It makes you run a little bit hotter. So uh, square breathing is one that a lot of people teach and I teach it too. I love that it has a sensory component of tracing a square in the palm of your hand while you're doing the counts of four, 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 four to slow your breathing. Um, I also teach progressive muscle relaxation as a way to use slow breathing and release the tension from your muscles. So that's an important section in the book because it gives kids just actionable strategies they can use anywhere to work through those feelings of stress and discomfort. I love that so much. I mean, you're totally right about the breathing thing. It is universal advice and it's so necessary. And um, I had another, I can't remember, I did an interview at one point last year where I talked to somebody who referred to breathing as like, you know, you're kind of like silent skill. It's a really great thing that you can develop and just do anywhere. And I love the, you know, I love the tracing the squares. I also wanted to just call back to what you said about needs. And I think that I've talked about this. I mean, really edit your life. Part of the mantra is about finding those small things that will help you through and, and give you agency in life and make you feel whole. And I know personally, one of the things that has gotten me through this time is just identifying those things that are within reach right around me. And it can be as minor as like setting up my coffee the night before so that I can just like go boop in the morning and turn it on. <laughs> and literally I, I tried it for a week at the very beginning when I started doing this last year and the mornings that I had done that, I felt like I could conquer the world. And then the mornings where I forgot, I was like, I just felt <laughs> devastated. It was, it was kind of ridiculous, but very illustrative in showing that uh, small actions matter a lot. So I'm I'm glad that you brought that up. Well, I love including excellent resources and sharing them. People always want resources when they they come to edit your life. And so I'm curious if you have, um, obviously you have a ton of books. I will link them all up. Um, you actually also have recently started, or I recently saw you share uh, that you have a parent support Facebook called Teen Talk. I will link that in the notes. Um, and I'll, I guess I'll put you on the spot by saying, I think I saw you share that you're going to be starting a group for parents of younger children as well. So. I just started that yesterday. Oh my yep. gosh. Here we go. All right. I, yep. <laughs> I will link it up, but I was wondering if you have any favorite other resources for parents looking for support at a parent level or for their kids, you know, books, websites, online programs, whatever, if you have a few that you want to share. Well, Janine Halloran is one of my favorites because she wrote the coping skills workbook for kids. Yes. And then she wrote the coping skills workbook for teens. Both are equally wonderful. She also on her website just gives away so many free resources. I mean, this is a person who just wants people to feel better. She gives away Mm -hmm. so many free resources from both of her books. Um, She's got little card decks, coping cards that she just put out, I believe recently. So She's just a great resource for parents. She, um, If you ever have a chance to hear her podcast or just hear her speak somewhere, she's very calming. She comes from this place of compassion and we can do this together. So I just always recommend her because I think she's fantastic. She's actually, you might even know her. She, she's in your area, I believe. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. We, have, we don't know each other personally yet, but uh, but we will. I, I'm yeah. going to make it happen. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I'll introduce you. you. You guys will love each other. So she's great. Um, you know, Michelle Borba's books are full of strategies. So Thrivers was her yep. latest, and that one's more focused on resilience. Uh, Unselfie is steeped in empathy. Gives just a lot of activities that educators can use, that parents can use to really just get kids thinking about how they can be overcomers and how they can work together and empathize with one another. So I always recommend her books for middle school parents. Middle School Matters by Phyllis Fagell is a Mm. great book. Um, And again, like just lots of talking points, conversation starters, things you can do right away. I think all of those kinds of resources are really helpful right now because I feel it and I know other parents are feeling it, but it's, it's like, what do I do right now (laughs) to to help my people feel better or to help myself feel better? So I think there are a lot of great people out there on Instagram and on Facebook, just trying to do just that, you know, trying to give people resources they can use right away. Yeah, that's awesome. I I will link all of those books and sites up. And um, I think one of the great things about, you know, Michelle or Phyllis's books that I have on my shelves right here, but you know, you can, you can jump around, you know, I think some people may say, Oh, I don't have time to read a book, but you can jump around and <laughs> absolutely address a pain point of the day and then go to the next thing. Absolutely. Um, okay, Katie, well, I have to be mindful of your time. So at the end of each show, I share what is called your next edit. It's an actionable tip that listeners can consider taking after they finish listening. Uh, I'm going to turn the mic over for you for your next edit. I'm wondering, what is one practical tip that you would recommend to listeners in the context of our conversation today? Oh, goodness. Can I give you two? Yes. I cheated last week and I gave two. (laughs) Okay. Because I want to give one for parents and then one that would help their kids. There you go. Right. Okay. So I think for parents, what I'm saying to parents right now is, Please ignore all of the self-care things that you see, because that can be a setup for failure in terms Mm. of like, oh, no, I'm not doing all the self-care things because Lord knows I am not doing all the self-care things. But if you can reframe that in your brains as self-love, what's one thing you can do today to show yourself some self-love? For me, it's usually having a cup of tea mid-afternoon and reading just a little bit of a book that's just for fun, Mm -hmm. even if it's only five pages. It just gives me a minute to check out and take care of myself and love myself for, you know, a little short period of time during the day. And like you with your coffee, when we do things like that for ourselves, we set ourselves up to feel better about ourselves and Mm -hmm. to be reminded that we are doing our best. And you know what? I think we're all doing a pretty bang up job considering the circumstances. Mm -hmm. So show, you know, find out, figure out what is your self-love action of the day and practice it. Make sure you do it. Set an alert in your phone if you have to, but make sure you do it. And then for kids, one thing that I've started doing with my own kids is I'll say to them at the end of the day, what do you have to do tonight so that you can feel successful tomorrow? Mm-hmm. And they'll, you know, my son will generally pack his backpack and do things like that. Um, my daughter will usually, you know, pick out her outfit and figure out, you know, things that make her feel good, like, you know, what kind of body scrub she's going to use in the shower that night or whatever. But she does things like that, little self-lovey kind of things yep. where he does more practical things. And so everything's packed by the door and he doesn't have to worry or, forget, you know, that he might forget anything. But that's kind of an easy 
flip that parents can use right now instead of us, remember this, remember that, don't forget this, don't forget that. What do you have to do so that you feel successful or good about starting the day tomorrow? And that just helps them take ownership, um, take some accountability and really feel like, okay, I can set myself up for a good tomorrow if I just spend a few minutes tonight doing so. I love that. Those tips are perfect and the perfect way to close. Thank you so much, Katie, for joining today. This has been an awesome conversation. And I really, really deeply appreciate you taking the time amidst everything else you're doing. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we made it work. It it was a great conversation. Absolutely. Okay, friends, you'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources and related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. As ever, I would love to hear your thoughts and questions. Come say hello on Instagram or Facebook at Edit Your Life Show or send an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. I would also be grateful if you would drop Edit Your Life a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about the show. Thanks for listening. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.